Hey there, I'm so pumped to tell you about an amazing new community I've launched called Grief to Growth Circle Community. It's a space for people who are grieving to come together to support each other and for people who want to know who we are, why we're here, where we're going to have those conversations, all the things we talk about on the podcast. So I invite you to join me at grieftogrowth.com slash community to become part of this compassionate crew. The best part is 100% free. And you have access to me in addition to everybody else in the community. In fact, the podcast will be there so you can talk about the things we talk about in the podcast right there in the community. There's also some premium content if you want to go deeper in the work I'm doing, but mostly it's about building relationships and community and about sharing resources and supporting each other. So come on over and check it out. It's grieftogrowth.com slash community. I'll see you inside. Hi there. Welcome to Grief to Growth Podcast. Your host is Brian Smith, spiritual seeker, best-selling author, grief survivor, and life coach. Brian believes that the worst tragedies of life provide the greatest opportunity for growth. Brian says he was planted, not buried, and he is here to help you grow where you've been planted by the difficulties in life. In each episode, Brian and his guests will share what has helped them to survive and thrive. It is his sincere hope this episode helps you today. Hey, everybody, this is Brian Smith back with another episode of Grief to Growth. And today I've got with me Nell Rose Foreman. And I'm going to read Nell's, uh, Nell Rose's biography, and then we'll get started. We're going to have a conversation about her and her son, Jack. Uh, Nell Rose lost her beautiful 23-year-old son, Jack, to a horrific nine-month battle with glioblastoma, an insidious brain cancer that began just after Jack graduated from college. Shortly after his transition, Nell Rose started getting signs from Jack. One of his signs being a picture being of his light, a picture of his light being, I should say, was taken at the beach this summer and was recently published in both the INS and the Helping Parents Heal newsletter. Jack has communicated a mission to let people know that there is no death and to awaken to who and what we really are. There are four pillars in how Jack lived his life, which is his legacy. They are to live your life to your full potential, to follow your heart, to love fiercely, and to not care what anyone else thinks. This is how Jack wants us all to live. Prior to Jack's death, Nell Rose was a resiliency coach. She created a process of using a blend of conscious and subconscious work that includes mindfulness, neuroscience, psychology, and ancient wisdom to successfully allow people to achieve what they want. Now she's using this same process to help her survive, help herself survive, heal, and thrive after her child loss. She feels traditional thinking of grief focuses on disconnection and after receiving several signs from her son, it has challenged her own beliefs, and now she's working towards connection with him. So with that, I want to welcome Nell Rose Foreman. Thank you. Thank you, Brian, for having me on the show. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to having our conversation. I was introduced to you by a mutual friend, Lilia, who's with the IONS Association, and she was telling me great things about you and talking about this, this image that you shared with me uh, of your son, Jack, after he had made his transition. Yes, you actually just went out there. So, so what did you just say? Sorry about that. Oh, yeah. Uh, what I was saying is I, we were introduced by a mutual friend, and it was uh, Lilia with Ions Association. She was telling me about the uh, visit you got from your son, Jack, the picture that you got of him this, this past summer. Yeah, so that, that was a really big moment for me. Um, I, I think like most parents, we, we are looking for signs often and continuously, and uh, this was a particular weekend. It was the first, it was about a, um, 
a year and a month past his transition date. And it was the first time I was bringing my kids. I have four other children and, and uh, a couple of daughter, daughter-in-laws. And I was bringing everybody to the beach for the weekend. And um, I was kind of walking to the beach myself and, you know, three and a half blocks of crying and talking to Jack and just letting him know uh, that I missed him, that I wish, you know, he was here and how difficult this is. It's, you know, and I asked him, could you give me a real physical sign, something? I said, I love the rainbows and butterflies and things that we all see. I said, but I really just need something physical today to let us know that you're with us. And, uh, you know, so please, 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 you know, it will make me feel so much better to connect with us. Mm -hmm. And then I went about my day and just enjoyed the kids and, you know, and was trying to just be, I was being present with the kids and my, um, 21 year old son had, had gone, uh, up the, up the beach and was with a friend and all of a sudden text me a picture and nobody knew that I had communicated to Jack and kind of put the pressure on for a real physical sign. And, mm-hmm. and, uh, and he just texted me and he said, I think Jack's with me. And, and it was this picture of what I would call his light being. Um, I don't know how to describe it any other way, but this energy of light that was just undeniable to me and incredible. And, you know, it just, it, it started this whole, you know, kind of, at first I didn't share it with anybody and just kind of enjoyed it. You know, the kids with the kids I did, of course, and we all Mm -hmm. talked about that and just really, um, felt grateful that Jack is with us and gave us such a a significant sign. And then I started showing people and I also have three friends that are photographers and, um, so got it to see if they could discredit it and give me a reason why or what this is. And they all three looked at it and said they had, I've never seen anything like this. And, um, you know, and then I started showing friends that I know have, have also lost children and, and they were just like, you've got to share this. You got to share this. And I had gone to IONS and I, you know, showed it to a few people there and, and, um, the president of IONS had said, you know, send it to me and let's publish this because it will help a lot of people to give them no, you know, the knowing that, that our children do exist. It's a great physical sign. Um, yeah, you know, I, I saw the image and what we'll do is if you can send a copy of it, we'll, I'll put a link to it in the show notes and then on YouTube, I'll put it, I'll include it with the video. Um, I'll have to say I've never seen anything like that. I've looked at quite a few images, not, I'm not an expert by any means. And I've seen, right. you know, camera artifacts. I've seen people, things that people think are orbs that are really just dust or sun flares. Um, so it's really interesting. You had some photographer friends look at it familiar with the way cameras work. Um, and they're saying it's not something they've seen before, right? That's right. Yeah. Well, my dad used to work, uh, be an editor of the Philadelphia Inquirer, so newspaper man. And, you know, he's kind of drilled it in my head. You have to disprove. And uh, if you can, you know, really kind of nail down on it. Is it real? Is it not? And, and uh, you know, like I said, all three of them have not been able to make anything of it. They've just never seen anything like it. Yeah, and it's also the thing about science because people are, you know, a lot of people that might not be familiar when we ask our kids for signs, like you, I think you mentioned there's there's feathers and there's butterflies and there's coins and all these things that we think of typically. Uh, but then sometimes it seems like if we really set an intention and we really need that sign, 
a lot of times we'll get these spectacular things like what you got with from Jack that day. And so it's the timing of it in addition to the fact that you just got this incredible picture. Oh, for me, it's absolutely about the timing that I asked him specifically for a physical sign because I don't normally do that. I almost feel like, you know, it's like, okay, your your mom's needing something more, you know, I don't want to put pressure on him, you know, and um, as much as I want to constantly ask for signs, I try not to always ask for signs. I always look for signs, but I don't say specifically something physical. That's actually the first time I've ever said I need something physical. Yeah. So for me, that was the smoking gun or whatever you want, that this is like my kid's listening to me. And, and just that's incredible to me that to know that he's so present in my life and mm-hmm. our family's life. that work and manifest, you know, he did that. And, and that's just an incredible thing and an incredible gift for me to uh, not be able to question it anymore. You know, that is he really here? Because looking at that, yes, he is really here. Yeah. So, yeah you know, because we, we hear, okay, yeah, they're still alive, right? They're they're but they're across the veil and they're off, they're doing their own thing or whatever. But to know that he was there present with you that day, and, and able to bring to that science got to be a very comforting feeling. It is very comforting. And, and I also want to mention that like in 2009, completely unrelated, I had a, uh, I would call it an STE, a spiritual transforming event hmm. where I had an out of body experience um, with no drugs, no alcohol and kind of went up and, and I was surrounded by these light beings, you know, there was a, a, an oval circle of light beings and, um, and I was a light being as well. And it was just this communication of love. You could feel the love, the, the connection. Uh, nobody spoke anything, but you knew what was being communicated, I guess, telepathically. Um, and then if you went through the light beings, you know, with another light being, you could feel the energy even more. So I don't know what that was. And I almost sound crazy saying this, and I never even told anybody that. But that light being that I call in the picture is what I felt like that's, you know, I had that experience in this spiritual transforming event, you know, so it's very similar. It almost like, you know, like he knew what to look, you know, I don't know, maybe it looks like that normally that's his light being look, but, yeah. but to me it was a very confirming, like I've seen this before. Interesting. And I want, you know, I wonder like, why did I have this experience? And, you know, I couldn't make anything of it. I, like I said, I never even really mentioned it to other people mm-hmm. uh, before. Cause I sound like I'm crazy, <laughs> you know? So I never, never mentioned it. And uh, for him to show me that uh, based on that, I wondered after he passed, you know, is that I always, thought that's where Jack is. That's what he is, is, is we are all this light, right? We are just these beings of light. And uh, so for me to get a picture of that was was just so much confirming evidence for me that, that he is present in here. So this experience you had in 2009, was that just a, a spontaneous event that you... It was absolutely a spontaneous okay. event. I was sitting and talking to two other people and I... I, I mean, I just felt like I went somewhere else and I was somewhere else. And then, you know, and then when I came back out of it, I'm like, what was that? And they're looking at me like I'm insane. They're like, like what do you mean? Like, you didn't go anywhere. And I'm like, I totally was not here mm-hmm. anymore. Mm-hmm. So there was no, no missing of time for me physically. Obviously, I didn't disappear. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, but they didn't know anything was wrong. There was not like I, you know, passed out or 
I, you know, I, I didn't know what to make of it because I know I had this experience and, um, and I don't know what it was, but you know, and, and since, yeah, like I said, since Jack's passed, I'm like, did I have that experience so that I would know where he is mm-hmm. when he passed that that's what we are and who we are. Cause I don't remember anything like, Oh, this is what they told me that, you know, go back and do this or say this. There was none of that. It was just, this is who you are. You know, this was just what you are and who we are. And, and so that was really about the summary of it. You know, it wasn't like, you know, your mission now is to go tell everybody or write a story about it. It was nothing. It was just like, how do you even explain that? So. Yeah, you know, those are rare, but they're not un- they're not unheard of. I've heard of a couple of people okay. that have had ex- really? yeah, I've I've talked to people that have had experiences like that. I, I know one guy that had two of them, and they were oh. they they were not near death experiences. There was not you know he wasn't in any physical danger. Um, I think he said one time he was in a park and he just found himself out of his body. Another time he was sitting in his house. Um, that's good to know. Yeah. Yeah. yeah there, it's, you know, we can't explain, you know, I think the why if we get these things, I think sometimes it's, it's what we need at the time. And for you, maybe it was kind of a foreshadowing of what you were going to see, you know, years later. Right. Yeah. I think, I think it's just, yeah, I don't know what it was, but it was awesome. Yeah. So, so tell me about Jack. I mean, it sounds like Jack, uh, while he was here, lived in a pretty incredible life and taught you a lot of lessons while he was here. Well, he did. I mean, I, of course, every, you know, I'm a little bit biased, as we all are as parents, that our children are amazing. But um, yeah, he, he just absolutely, first of all, he's filled with love and, and joy always, and just a caring for other people and had um, a great sense of what I would communicate or what I and his friends would communicate is he knew what everybody else needed and how to respond to them very differently. And and it was almost like he could see your higher self. We used to call him, you know, I do life coaching and, and hypnosis and stuff like that as a profession. And But he was always everybody else's, or, and mine, life coach. Because he it was like he had a view of what your, I would call it your higher self, like, you know, in the higher performing. And, and he would encourage people in a really wonderful way to get there. You know, he knew how to deal with each type of friend and and you know made them feel confident made them feel like they could do anything and just naturally lived life uh so full so you know loved being outdoors and climbing mountains and hiking and had no interest in um money and you know in material things and it was just very much being with his friends and being outside and and striving for your best so he also would read I mean he read an an enormous amount of books of like self-help books and and things like that as a kid and and getting older um because he died at at 23 but he just you know he he was well versed in what he should be doing and how to get there and to work hard and, but to enjoy it, you know, to really, wherever he was, no matter what situation, nothing ended up throwing him off. And, um, and this included, I mean, this was a a horrific experience and, and he just was always, always, always so um, strong, resilient, uh, never asked why me, never, you know, didn't complain. I mean, we laughed all the time in the hospital, which sounds crazy, uh, you know, when you think about it. And, but he just is, I'm in awe of him. I I don't know how to describe it any other way because I don't know very many people 
that could go through what he went through and um and to continue to be strong and, and worried about everybody else and yeah it's 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 incredible yeah he, i guess he went through quite a bit of trauma with the glioblastoma it was uh i mean that's a that's a horrible um disease and a lot of times it's pretty quick um as far as the uh the way it takes us Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hey there, I'm testing out a new feature. I'd love to get your feedback on it. It's called Fan Mail, and you can send me a message right from the show notes of the podcast. So look for the link that says send me a text. You can ask a question for a future podcast. You can suggest a guest or just give me any feedback you want. Just remember, it is one way I can't text you back, and I will not have your name, your email address, or your phone number unless you include it in the message. Let me know what you think. Yeah, well, so he, I mean, he was, he had just graduated from college. Um, This was back in 2017, May of 2017. He had to spend the summer, uh, actually, he drove from Penn State across country to the Rocky Mountains in Colorado and all these different places as part, he was a geoscience major, Uh, loved the earth and hiking and all that fun stuff. And, and part of his graduation requirement was to do this with, you know, his classmates and, and they would do 15 hour days of being in the field of climbing and rigorous work. And, and, um, and he did that. I think it was, I want to say it was four weeks he was gone. And so he wasn't home. And then he got home mid July and he had a job lined up starting in September. So he and his uh, girlfriend that ended up being his fiance um, went to, um, Bangkok went to Thailand for a three and a half week amazing tour that he kind of planned and they were saving their pennies to to kind of get over there and and do this and you know as he said you know we want to go and play before we start adulting yeah yeah and uh flew across country and landed and they had um you know getting to the hotel that one night and and they were in Bangkok thank goodness and um woke up the next morning and went to go to the bathroom and, and on the way to the bathroom, just, you know, let out a scream and, and knew his head hurt. And at that point, what we didn't know at that point, he had a massive brain tumor on the right side of his brain because uh, he had no signs or symptoms that we were aware of. And um, so he, had a, he was having a hemorrhaging brain tumor. And he had a stroke, so he lost the left side of his body. And obviously his brain was at that point starting to swell and, but still cognizant enough that you've got to get me, you know, telling his girlfriend, cause he did all the research for the, where they were going. And he's like, there's no, there's no ambulances. There's no 911. Get me downstairs, get me in a cab, send me to a private hospital. And, um, and then, you know, when he got there, then they put him in the CT scans and stuff. And, and then I'm getting a phone call from his girlfriend that, that, you know, his brain tumor. And I'm like, my son doesn't have a brain tumor. And, and I mean, talk about terrifying. I mean, the doctor, you know, a doctor got on the phone and said he has a hemorrhaging brain tumor. We have no plan, no plan, but doctor coming, we get a plan and sending me paperwork to sign from, you know, on the internet to send back and starting to look for flights to get out there, you know, but it's not a fast trip as you can imagine. It's a, yeah. So, but he survived that. I mean, amazing. They were amazing in Bangkok. The doctor was incredible. 
you could say he got the tumor, which I said was an enormous tumor. And um, what they feel is probably was growing for about nine years. You, can, you know, you can have something growing for about nine years that was probably not cancerous, that turned cancerous, mm-hmm. but, you know, so um, he lost a big piece of his skull. He couldn't walk anymore. He lost the whole left side of his body, feeling in it and all uh, left side of his eyesight and each eye. And um, yeah, so we were there for almost three weeks. Wow. And, and interesting enough, you know, on the way there, right when they were in the airport, because they didn't have insurance or anything, and, and Jack decided he's going to buy insurance. So, uh, so he bought, you know, life insurance, medical insurance. And um, what that helped with was getting him home, you know, with, with uh, a nurse and medical care, and, and which was very helpful. Wow. I mean, obviously, visually, you know, and, and, you know, so you, you just kind of wonder, I mean, sitting in the airport before he boarded, right. says, I'm going to buy insurance and, uh, and did. A, a 20, 22 or 23 year old kid. I mean, that's, Me too, yeah. That yeah. yeah. Wow. So yeah, it's, uh, you know, hindsight, you look at like, what does the soul really know? Mm-hmm. Right. And I've always interesting enough also, uh, you know, he, he was, he's my second son out of, I have five mm-hmm. kids. And so his older brother, um, as he got older and was turning, I think he was 24, and he's like, man, you only got a couple years left, and then your life's all over. Like, he really didn't see that it would be good to, to grow old. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, I, I look at it like, did he also kind of, his soul know? I don't think he knew, obviously, but did his soul yeah. know that he would not be here long? Because that's not a normal thing that people say. And then, and, you know, and Jack did say, boy, did I have it wrong. Um, you know, all I want to do is grow old and, uh, you know, he didn't get that opportunity. Yeah. So, you know, it's interesting as I talk to, to parents of, of kids who died, you know, early, um, or passed early, like my daughter was 15. They seem to have a lot of things in common. And I don't know if this is just because I don't know what the reason is, but they seem to live life to the fullest. They, they really like to connect with people. Um, Shana never was concerned about growing old, never really wanted to grow up. Remember she was, when she was like 10 years old, she started crying because we said, well, Shana, you have to grow up. And she's like, I just want to stay a kid. Oh, wow. And she would say things like actually just a few weeks before she passed, she was playing with my other daughter. We were in, at my parents' house uh, or my brother's house in Columbus, about two hours away. And she said, when I die, I want to be cremated and buried under a tree. She was 15. And my, I didn't know this until after she had passed. But um, when she, after she had passed, we were trying to decide whether we we're going to cremate her or not. And we were talking to my older daughter about it. And she said, yes, Shana said that's what she wanted. And we, we said, what do you mean? And she said, well, just a few weeks ago, Mother's Day, and Shana passed on June 24th. On Mother's Day, you know, she said this. Um, so you, you, you look back at those things and you're like, you wonder, did they know at some level? Right. Well, I mean, I can't have, I don't have any other experiences with my other children saying things like that, that, you know, that, that I would say, there was actually a picture that my kids had taken, um, I think the, the year before at the beach, and we were at the beach, and there were these big rocks that were down in Georgia, and, and the four of my kids were like standing, if they just went out there, and I just took a picture, and it's a gorgeous shot, and uh, like, these are big, bolder rocks that they were standing on, and, and kind of being, uh, you know, standing and, and uh, posing 
And the four of them are really close together. And then Jack is, is a little bit too far off to the side to me and sitting down and kind of very relaxed where the other ones are very together. And, and, and it just, I love the picture, but I'd always sit there and just look at it. And like, I want to squeeze him in yeah. closer. I felt like I was losing him is what I would say to myself. It's like, it's like, he's not a part of the group. Like why is he not a part of that group? Mm -hmm. And, and um, something in me was already nervous. I don't know. You know, I don't, I don't know. You know, I can't say that that was insight because it certainly wasn't. Um, but I think sometimes we have these little clues that come along that, you know, yeah. that kind of let us, you know, I, I don't know if it's, if it's our, maybe a little leaking through because we come here, we, we do the soul planning and we come here and we know that we know the plan and maybe we get little glimpses of it to, I don't know if it's a soften the blow or what the reason is for it, but um, it happens. I can, I can tell you, I've talked to a lot of parents when we look back and we say, you know, was that a sign? Is that something that they knew? You know, they'll, they'll say things or do things and um, that, kind of let us know that there seems to be on some level, at least that the soul knows, you know, they're not going to be here for a very long time. Right. Right. So tell me right. about um, the process. I know you said you were a resiliency coach before Jack passed. Um, so yeah. how did that, how did that help or how did that impact your dealing with Jack's passing? And then you had a technique that you were using. You said it's a blend of conscious and subconscious work. So talk about me about that too. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hi there. I'm really excited to tell you about my latest ebook. It's four lessons that you can learn from the near-death experience without going through all the trouble of dying to learn them. I've been studying NDEs for several years now. I am completely convinced that not only are they 100% real, but that there's some very universal wisdom that we can get from the near-death experience. And I've distilled that down in this book into four short lessons. And I've also given you all the reasons why I believe the NDEs are absolutely real. So go to www.grieftogrowth.com slash NDE lessons to pick it up for free www.grief2growth.com slash NDE lessons. I hope you enjoy it. Well, I mean, prior to Jack, you know, I, I've, uh, through my life experiences and, and different things, you know, things that I thought were really challenging, um, that were challenging, you know, it kind of brought me to create this process. And like I said, to save myself from my own experience, um, uh, what I was going through and it, and it worked really well. So it is a blend of conscious and subconscious work. It's, it's also of the neuroscience behind it all. And so looking at which each thought that we have, we release neurochemicals in our brain. Mm. And so, you know, understanding how our bodies work and how to um, most of the time, you know, we have a, a sympathetic and a parasympathetic nervous system, the autonomic nervous system. And with each chemical, you're, or with each thought, you're releasing chemicals that are either bringing you closer to relaxation or closer to, uh, you know, I'd say cortisol levels and stress levels and things like that. And right now, with everything in our world, obviously, there's a lot of stress. There's a lot of anxiety. There's a lot of fear and phobia. And so we are, as a society, a culture, really great at really driving those cortisol levels and, and everything else, but we're never really taught how to calm our, our whole system down. Mm -hmm. And so I use a blend of conscious and subconscious work. So the conscious part is looking at habits and your thought patterns and how you're feeling. I always say feelings are the fuel of change. 
So you want to change something, you use the, the feeling um, that you want to get. And, um, and then the other side is, is hypnosis, you know, like really kind of getting into that meditative state and learning how to get into that relaxed state. What does it feel like when you're in relaxed? But also bringing that relaxed state into the everyday activity and bringing in that feeling that you want. So that's where you interrupt the patterns and habits that we have that may necessarily not be working for us. The other key factor is the um, looking at your uh, belief systems, you know, and what is the story that you're telling yourself about each thing? I call them, we should be doing belief audits all the time. Are they empowering us or disempowering us? And when this obviously first happened, and, you know, and I can still get into that state because you and I both would give anything to have our children here, of course, mm, yeah. uh, physically and, and a part of our lives, or, or at least I, I know I would. Um, I would change it, but as we all know, we, we can't, we don't get that opportunity that, that is gone. Mm -hmm. Um, so my belief systems before this, you know, I mean, I, I did, do believe we're, we're, we're here, but I, I guess it's, it was more in an esoteric of, you know, like a medium could connect with them, but I can't, you know, and, and kind of that kind of belief system and, and, uh, and it's not serving me. So, you know, like what, what are my thoughts? And, and I'm also a big believer of feeling what I'm feeling in the moment. I did not, not that and it's bad for, it was my personal choice not to use any kind of numbing, um, anything that would numb my feelings to this or um, any medication that would numb myself, you know, or distract myself. I wanted to feel all of this horrible feeling and experience it because that's how I feel like we do learn. That's how we do change. And, you know, if this is going to, crack us open, you know, like, let's just crack it on open and, and see what happens and experience it. Yeah. So I, yeah, I think that's, that's a highly individual choice as to whether we want, want or need to have something like that. Um, so I just want to make that point to anybody that, that yeah. does. And, and I agree. With it. There's no judgment or no, yeah. yeah, everybody needs to do that's, you know, you best, everybody knows themselves best and they need to do what they need to do. But I, I did not want to be numbed and, and I wanted to unfortunately experience this and, um, and let that play. Yeah. Out. I think, I think we're, we are, we will have to experience it at some point, even if we do try to numb ourselves. So I completely agree with that, but I think that initial shock may be overwhelming for people. Like for just in my case, my doctor gave me something to take that I took, like, for example, a day of, of Shana's service, you know, and I took it right. a couple of times after that because just to get me through, you know, those times. But um, I, I kind of the same feeling that you do. It's like, I don't, I want to, I'm going to have to process this at some point. So there's no, like, yeah. 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 There's no, no final, you know, the only, yeah, there's no escape. So processing it is good. So you also mentioned that traditional grief, uh, traditional thinking of grief focus on disconnection. Um, but you're more focused on connection. We've talked about, the, the yeah. huge sign you got from Jack, but it sounds like even before that, you started getting signs from Jack. I did. I, I did. I went on a, um, I have a friend who is a shaman. And so she did a, a shamanic journey for me. So that was one of the first times that I connected with him. And uh, like, I, I'm a very, even though I do hypnosis and different things, I'm a skeptic by nature and I love meditation. And so you can, you know, lay me down and say, close your eyes and you're going to go on this journey. And, you know, she's drumming and I'm like, okay. 
And, uh, and she had set it up that like, you'll go through this pathway and you'll go down and, and then you'll be in a field and there'll be grass. And so I was just imagining, you know, playing with the grass and walking along and I'm like, if it's, it's, it was going to be 15 minutes. And I'm like, if it's 15 minutes, I can do this for 15 minutes. And then all of a sudden, boom, I was in Jack's body. Um, he was at home on hospice when he passed away. And I felt like I was in Jack's body. And I mean, viscerally, I just, I was terrified. You know, it was like, well, oh my gosh. And, and I started crying mm -hmm. and, and I'm like, I, I knew I could open my eyes and just step out and be done with this. But I was just like, let me see what's happening here mm -hmm. and just stay with it. And then it felt like I transitioned. I saw my mother and my grandmother and I got beautiful, um, I can't imagine what happened in 15 minutes, but you know, it was amazing. The experience, like my mom was showing me and Jack was with me. Other rare. And, uh, you know, when he passed is what he was saying. And then he was, and my mom was there. And then I saw her and myself, like me as a baby. And then me as like a three-year-old. And then she was teaching me how to ride my bike. And he's like, he's showing, and he was telling me, she's showing you all the ways that she loved you. Um, throughout your life and it just it's just like I, like I said this amazing experience trans transpired but the the really key message that he told me in that experience he was worried about his siblings and all of us he said he wanted us all to look further into that he's still here that they're that the other side and to start learning about it and educating um, about other people's experiences and what's that, what is that like? And, um, my mom, she used to, at Christmas time, she said, if you don't believe in Santa, you don't get any presents. And no matter how old we got, my kids all knew it. I knew it. You could never say to mom, mom, you don't believe in Santa. Cause she was just like, you're done. You're not getting anything. Wow. And so he communicated to me. He's like, it's like my mom always said, if you don't believe in Santa, you don't get presents. And he said, it's just like that now. If you don't believe I'm here, you're never going to see me or feel me <laughs> or experience me. And he's like, so tell my siblings, you know, then um, that I'm here and, you know, waiting for them to start working on connecting. And, you know, we're a, almost a year and a half in and, and um, you know, some are working really a lot to try and connect with them and others are processing their grief differently, which is, is perfectly fine. And, and, uh, but we all, we all believe and know he's here. We see signs and, and things like that. And, and so it's, it's a really great thing. So that was, that was key for me. And then I would say the next big thing for me was when, um, it was his birthday and I was driving to work and I found, I don't know about other parents, but you know, for me, the car is a great place to scream or cry or, you know, cause it's, it's so rare that we're alone or can feel comfortable. And so, you know, that, that was uh, certainly what I did driving around was screaming and crying, but uh, you know, his birthday, I was just like, you know, again, I would, I really need to feel you. I need to know you're here. This is your, your first birthday after transitioning and, and I'm freaking out. And it was like within a minute and a half, I all of a sudden feel this presence, you know, across my left side, which I always say is, is interesting because he couldn't feel his left side. And I knew it was him. Mm -hmm. And and I'm like, wow, you know, like it just took my breath away. The, the amount of love that I felt and the connection, I, I personally couldn't deny it. I've never felt anything quite like that. Mm -hmm. And then what I loved about it is that 
It wasn't just that once. That that he kept. I had. I was actually interviewing people for this, you know, this work thing, and all of a sudden it would just come in again. And and I'm just like, oh my gosh, like this is awesome. But it's like, okay, I'm at work. But it's it just like he was like making a point. Yeah. Like I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. And uh, so that that was just incredible for me. So you um you have four other children besides Jack. And you kind of touched upon how they all believe and know that Jack's still around, but they're handling their grief in different ways. And I think that's, that's normal. And Mm -hmm. especially for, I think, younger people. Um, My daughter was 18 when her sister passed and Shannon was 15. So, you know, she handled it differently than, than we do, you know, as, as parents and as, and as older people. So how are your kids? You know, you said they're, they're handling it pretty well, but they're handling it different ways. Um, so the younger two, Jack became, they're all, they're only seven and a half years apart, the, the five kids. So they're all very close in age. And, um, but Jack was very much impactful for the younger two and was, I would call more of a mentor or father figure, uh, for the younger two. And so they, they both definitely have, I don't want to say taken it harder, but definitely fallen apart a lot more. My, um, one son has really, really struggled uh, without having Jack here and fallen into, I would call it, um, the spiritual questioning of why are we here? He's a very deep thinker and, and really trying to sort it all out of, you know, cause he just wanted to go join him. And so that was terrifying for me of, you know, keeping him here, keeping him grounded. And he's definitely like, a, we, we do, you know, we work with mediums and talk with Jack and he absolutely has, has embraced that. And, um, and loves to talk with Jack (laughs) and connect with them. But, you know, down the spiritual, I would call it the rabbit hole. Like if we're here, what are we doing here? And what am I supposed to be doing here? Mm -hmm. And why did Jack leave me? And, and my daughter kind of does grief more where she can appear normal and then she'll just fall apart for like two days of just, you know, really kind of crying and not sure what to do or how to do it. And then I've got a child that's becoming a nurse and he's completely immersed in um, making money for, um, well, he works, they all go to Penn State or they all went to Penn State. I've got three there now. Wow. <laughs> and um, yeah, so uh, Thon, which is there, you know, for childhood cancer fundraising. And so he's, he's actually the captain of the bereavement um, counselor for Thon. So he deals with families that are, have lost uh, children or are losing children. You know, family just lost their their baby. Um, so he's communicating with them and talking with them. And um, you know, so he kind of wants to just you know plow ahead and, and help as many family and people that he can go through this kind of experience. Wow, that's great. So, yeah, it, it's you know, there's not one of us that's not impacted. His fiance is no longer, she was a graphic artist and was going to work in that. And, and God bless her. She, when this happened, she, you know, did not even go to her job and she stood by Jack's side through the entire thing Mm. and went to every doctor's appointment and, and was just an an incredible support for all of us, uh, you know, being there. So she is now, um, has thrown all that out and is now a nurse Wow. and very much wants to work with, uh, probably, neuro um and you know people with cancer and neuro problems and and really i you know she just 
impactful. She's in her clinicals and stuff like that, like that now. And, and, uh, you know, she has just such an insight that, you know, the teachers and everything is said she just can connect so well with everybody. And, and I know this because of the experience that she went through, she's been on the other side and, and knows what it's like and, and wants to, to help. So, yeah, you know, that's, that's great. And it sounds like, um, it's good to be able to recognize the out of out of the tragedy of, of Jack's passing, you know, how it's actually helped um in some ways with everybody's connections um and, and understanding. And um it's good that your family has that that understanding that Jack is still there and, and you know, are making efforts to connect with them. I think that's a wonderful thing. Yes. I yeah, connecting with him is everything. So, you know, I believe that we all can connect with our children. And uh, if one person can do it, we all can learn, but it's just, you know, opening up. So for me, you know, I wanted to, I don't want to say, um, you know, I wanted to raise my vibration. I wanted to get rid of the grief fog as fast as I could, although it doesn't happen fast, no matter what you do. So don't get me wrong. I'm plenty of time in a fetal position and all that fun stuff. Um, but I look at post-traumatic stress and post-traumatic growth, you know, like you said, the good things. and and honestly in the beginning when people would say that, like what, you know, good will come of that. I did not like yeah, that. Not at I would all. get angry, pissed off. And like, there's nothing good that could happen. Mm -hmm. It would ever be worth my son's mm -hmm. life. And it's still, you know, there still isn't, but I don't have that. It's not like it's worth my son's life because we can't change it. You know, it's right. done. So right. you may as well allow goodness to come it's it's good and bad it's not good or bad it's it's got it, there's both in it It doesn't mean that some because something good comes out of it and negates all the all the pain and all the bad things um but i will say for you it's been how long since jack passed now year and a half almost a year and a half yeah i mean it's incredible how far that you've come in that amount of time because usually and it's not usual i mean it's different for everybody but um to to be at the, the understanding that you have now and where you are now is really great but you know i like the way you, you you let everybody know it's not like it's been really easy it's not like you still don't have bad days and I, and for me it's been four and a half years and you know it's it's still not easy so um i don't want to give people the impression that you it's just like oh yeah. if you just believe these things or do these things and do hypnosis no it's a process and mm -hmm. actually i want to mention one thing like you know so part of my process like i and this is just me processing you know like i said I, i'm trying to trying to to save myself <laughs> from this experience and if people can learn or understand or, or kind of look at things differently in in my process that's wonderful um i i've recently feel like you know i've been trying to um I've got, you know, you got two feet, one foot, and I, I so want the physical body of Jack. I want to embrace him. I want the life that he was going to live, the children that he would have had, just the, the him making me laugh, like, you know, aching for the physical experience. And, and you know, in that process, I'm torturing myself, you know, because it, it is painful. When you think about it, it's it's painful, and he doesn't, he doesn't want me to be in that pain. Right. And, you know, and also the guilt, like when you have a good day and then you're like, well, what am I, does that mean I don't care? And no, it doesn't mean I don't care. It's if there's, you know, we can beat ourselves up in so many ways, but I really think that, you know, there's the, the light being Jack, the energy of Jack, and I'm working to figure out how to connect with him more and more. And like I said, focusing on connection 
And then there's the physical body where I'm, we've lost that, you know, it's not here anymore. And all the thoughts around that are very painful of it's not going to be there, you know? So it's like, when I go to that now, I've been, you know, kind of putting my attention back on the connection and stopping myself from thinking about that too much, you know, going down the rabbit hole of all of the things that I'm going to miss and not experience without his physical body here and thinking, okay, Jack, what do you got for me? And, you know, coming up at Christmas, yeah. <laughs> you know, how are you going to show yeah. up? And, and I, I felt them today really clear. I don't always feel them. You know, I don't always feel them. And I, you know, there's days where if I don't feel them, I'm like, am I just crazy? You know, like, so I don't want it to, you know, again, it's not easy and our minds do that. Right. But where do we end up with our focus? Yeah. The most, Foc- you know, where- yeah. Focus is the key. I, I, that when you said that, it just kind of triggered something because as you were talking, you were saying, okay, we can, we can focus on what we're missing, which is the physical. And if we do that, we're going to be focused on something that we can't have. And we are, we're just going to be making ourselves miserable. There's, you know, it's right. why does, by desiring something that's literally impossible for you to have, you're not going to ever feel happy with that. Now we're going to have that because we're human but we can choose to focus on what we do have and we can choose to focus on enhancing that. And one of the good things about being human is we can only have one thought at a time. So if we choose not to focus on this and to focus on this, the more that we can do that, the more we can move to a, a more whole, a healthy person. Um, like I said, we're, we're still going to have those times and I still have those times. And I, you know, I have pictures of Shane all over the house and, I'll see a picture and I'll, I want, you know, I'm like, man, I really wish, you know, she could be here right now. But now what I think about is, okay, well, we had a great time on that trip, you know, cause you know, she'd be grown now anyway. She's, she's not a little kid. She wouldn't be a little kid anymore. She'd be 20 years old and she'd be, you know, off at college. So after, you know, when I look at those things, it's, I miss that little girl, but that little girl wouldn't be here, you know, anyway, at this point. Mm-hmm very true and and the memories you know i love thinking about the memories the memories of how jack was and 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 just a part of our lives that you know he taught us all so much you know i'd rather focus on that again not that i don't go into those moments because i do but yeah where are we, we really staying with right so it's a process it's a daily day in day out and um it's all over the board right it is one step three steps back you know and it's like oh I thought I was past this especially you know the year you know the one year mark oh my goodness the anxiety I'm not an anxiety you know kind of interrupted all my anxiety patterns and and I was right back into anxiety as the year was coming up and and then I noticed that you know I I also look at like when people say things we tend to believe them right and everybody kept saying like oh wait till you get to year two it's so much worse and I'm like well not me I'm not going there yeah I tell you what, I was a mess for the first two months. I don't know what it was the second year in. And I'm like, oh my gosh, they were right. This is just like the desiring for the physical was just crazy for me. And, um, and that's when I was like, okay, am I going to go for the physical? Or am I truly going to commit to doing whatever I have to do to raise my vibration? Because that's what I've you know read and studied, like, you know, raise your vibration to connect with them. And, and I keep saying, you know, I'm going to move into let's, let's, let's connect Jack, you know, like teach me. And, and I always joke, like I hear that song, like, why don't you just meet me in the middle? You know, you, you lower your vibration. I'll raise my 
a vibration and we'll, we'll, why don't you just meet me in the middle? And then I'm like, I hear Jack saying like, mom, it's not in the middle. You can do it, mom, you can do it. And uh, so it's just uh, funny. Yeah, well, you know, um, I, it, it is a matter of trying to raise our vibration to a certain extent as much as we can and to you know connect with them and to look for them and um understand it's a different type of relationship it's not going to be the physical relationship anymore as you said but it's subtle things it's a feeling it's a thought it's uh it's a sign it's a it's uh some synchronicities you know these types of things that come along just i, I call them god wings or or, or easter eggs i saying i love to play video games so <laughs> i call them easter eggs which is like little hidden things when you're you know, you're going around it kind of says you know, this is really just a game. This, you know, it's really everything's going to be okay, and it's it's better than it really looks right now. The more you know, you were saying earlier that Jack had kind of told you, well, if you don't believe, you're not going to see it. Kind of like the Santa Claus thing, and it's not that it doesn't necessarily. It's not going to happen. You're just going to miss it. You're going to have a sign, and you're just going. To, you're not going to take it as a sign. You're going to say that's just something that happened. Uh, mm -hmm. But once you start looking for them, um, it just becomes almost miraculous. You know the things. I think about in the last four and a half years since Shane has passed, I can't even tell you all the, you know, the crazy things that have happened, the synchronicities, the people that I've met, um, you know, the timing of things that just kind of seem to work out. Um, and, and I would have never thought this before Shana passed. And it's ironic that that's what it took to get me to start looking around to see how things, you know, really work. Right. It is incredible, isn't it? That's the post-traumatic growth, right? Yeah, that's what we're that's what we're going for. Um, you know, it's 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 uh, again, I, I, it's not easy, but it's something that you know, once this happens to us, we we get to make a choice as to how do we respond to it. Um, and that's somewhat choice that has to be made over and over and over. Again. Yeah, yeah. Each moment, it's moment by moment. It's not like oh, I I made the choice, and yeah, that's easy. It's yeah choosing it again yeah and it's choosing it again and then choosing it again yeah it's pick and allowing yourself to fall apart when you need to fall apart and and miss like it's not like i don't have i do miss that physical boy and and i allow myself to at times connect with it but mm -hmm. you know if i did that all day long i would be miserable yeah yeah <laughs> you have to give i think uh you know we have to allow emotions to come to flow through us we have to honor the emotion when it comes and, and sit with it and feel it um, and, and, you know, if you're, you, you were talking about meditation, I like to meditate. Sometimes when I'm meditating, I cry. And, um, I was talking to Kelvin Chen a couple of weeks ago and he had written in his book about overcoming the fear of death. He said, after his mother passed, he said his meditation, a lot of times it'd just be him sitting and crying and that's okay. That's, that's what he needed to feel. That's what he was feeling at that moment. So don't try to block it. Don't try to say, oh, I need to be still. I don't want to think about this. That's what you need to do. Just do that. Right. That makes sense. I love it. So tell me about, um, I know your, your website is uh, www.resilientmindcoaching.com. Uh, what will I get when I go there? <laughs> so uh, I also have some hypnosis websites as well, but you know, that one is, you know, it's, it's going to be an introduction to me and kind of who I work with. I, I mean, I work all over the board. I've always worked with um, people in corporations uh, but I also work with individuals. I'm in a doctor's office locally, uh, but I see clients all over the world, um, you know, coach with them and do hypnosis with them, which is crazy as that sounds, uh, you know, for all, you know, from, from a distance. But, um, 
you know, I work with a lot of people with anxiety, fears and phobias, things like that, that are preventing them from what I would say, living a life of freedom, you know, so how can we uh, look at how you're looking at things? Like I said, do a belief audit, you know, what's, is this, is this belief empowering me or disempowering me? And unfortunately, you know, you, you have a belief or you have an experience or a, a trauma and uh, then your life gets smaller and then smaller. And, uh, you know, I had an individual that was just recently working with me. So he's kind of top of mind where um, 11 years ago, he was meeting his uh, future in-laws. And for whatever reason, he says he's not an anxious person, ended up passing out at that dinner. And, uh, you know, he goes to the hospital, they check him out, they can't find anything wrong with them. So the doctor just kept saying, well, you must have had a panic attack and you must have just passed out. And, and he's like, but I don't remember being that way. But what happened is that he all of a sudden had this fear that his body's going to give out. Like it wasn't really a conscious thought. And over 11 years, he's been to a bunch of therapists. He's, um, unfortunately, like, things got, as he started, his life got smaller and smaller, but he ended up having three kids with this, uh, his wife. And uh, so when he came to me, he no longer could work. Uh, he couldn't leave the house by himself. His wife had to bring him. He could be a, a father in the house, but he couldn't coach little league. He couldn't do hmm. anything like that. If something happened with one of the kids, you know, that it would be a problem. And, uh, so his life had really pretty much shut down and, and he came and, you know, when I did the work that I did with them and, and I mean, I've, it's not like it's instantaneous, but that day he's like, I went home and he goes, I went to Home Depot for the first time all by myself and he couldn't believe it. And then, the, you know, they came again, I've only seen him three times and his life has, you know, totally changed. So I love what I do. I have always said, I just want to be in service um, to, cause I don't believe it's me. You know, I just feel, I had always felt I was being guided by something else. And it's just, I just feel like I'm a conduit to be used to help the person see um, and do something differently. So I kind of pulled together from a lot of different modalities, a process that seems to work and help people to, to live a fuller life. Wow. That's interesting. So what do you say to someone like me who thinks they can't be hypnotized? Well, first of all, I'd ask you, well, why do you think you can't be? Because if you can't, if you believe you can't be, then you're not going to be because you're going to be resistant. Okay. So hypnosis is a natural brain state. Okay. What they do know about hypnosis is that we're in and out of it all day mm -hmm. long. In fact, we're probably in a hypnotic trance more than we're not, right? But unfortunately, we're sitting there with our unconscious beliefs, believing that we can. And, you know, have you ever listened to the language of some people and how they talk to themselves? Mm -hmm. Like, oh, I just can't believe I did that. How stupid was that? Oh, my gosh, I'm horrible at this. And... Um, you know, you pretty much when you talk to somebody, you hear where their beliefs are, mm -hmm. you know, I can't do this, I won't do that. I'm not good at that. And, and I just look at everybody from a perspective of like, that's, you know, it's something happened to you at some point in your life, mm -hmm. you know, was it in fifth grade, you decided you can't public speak because you got up to say something and then something happened and you, you know, everybody laughed at you. And from then on your body, your mind is protecting you from ever letting that experience happen again. And then we create beliefs that I am an anxious person or I'm not good at this. And, um, you know, we kind of ride that out. So I love to challenge, you know, our beliefs. You know, as I said, there's a belief audit. This is just because you have that belief doesn't that 
does not mean that's who you are at your core. I believe we get to identify and determine mm -hmm. what our core being is, right? Our, we, we, as, I mean, we're, we're on this show. Our light being is amazing. You know, there is nothing that can hold us back in that form. So I believe at our core, that's who we are, that we're filled with, we could do anything. And so these beliefs, like unclutter the beliefs and the things that are holding us back so we can be in true freedom. Wow, that sounds awesome. Yeah. So you, so you do that work with both corporations and you do it with individuals. Correct. Okay. And um, yeah, it sounds like you're getting some, you're getting some great results. Uh, I just noticed, and I, I met, I, you sent me some notes the other day, and you mentioned uh, shamanic journey, which you, you touched upon. You mentioned ayahuasca. Have you, have you had an ayahuasca experience? Uh, I've had two. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Post-Jack, yeah. So, um, you know, I work with people with their trauma. And, um, and like I said, I had pretty much eradicated, you know, anxiety and, and panic attacks and things like that. But when this happened, there, in that nine months, the, the trauma that happened with Jack, it, you know, it's indescribable and, and I don't want to get into the, the weeds of all that, but I, when he died, for me, there was the grief and then there's the trauma. And I, you know, for a month and a half, I just was beside myself, which is normal. I mean, obviously just, but I was really caught up in the trauma. And because it was like all that trauma that happened in the nine months, I couldn't react to in the nine months because I needed to be on it. I needed to take care of him. I needed, you know, I needed to be as present as I could for Jack. And, um, and then when I didn't have to do that anymore, it was like all of a sudden it felt like it was compounding. And um, I have a friend who, you know, knew somebody that was coming from Peru. And, you know, so it was guided in a very uh, safe environment, a very ceremonial. Um, and also they did a lot of, um, I would call it body work, body work healing along with the journey. And, uh, in, and it's funny because you said, this is just a game. And when I was in the ayahuasca, um, I absolutely felt Jack come in and I felt him. I, he said that mom, this is just a game like this. I am not, I haven't gone anywhere. I'm right here. I'm right here. And, and you got to just play the game because you, you know, you don't believe all of the things that, you know, are not working for you. Just, you know, believe that I'm right here and we're going to be together. We are together now, but he goes, we'll be together you know, that it's just, you got to play the game and, and, and it's how you respond to this. Yeah. You know, it's interesting we're having this conversation because this is something that I have to try to reinforce with myself. You know, that, that, mm -hmm. this, this is a totally immersive, ultimate virtual reality game. And, you know, right. Shane and I, she loved to play games and, and that was one thing that we had in common. Her sister didn't really like to play video games. But Shane and I would play games. And Shayna always had the most lives because she was a great game, game player. So we'd play Mario Brothers and she would have whatever, 99 lives always, just the maximum number of lives you can get. <laughs> and I, I would think about, you know, it's like when we play the game, okay, so with all these lives, when she would die, she would just like regenerate, you know, and just keep going. And yeah. that's how we are. But when we're in this life, in this game, in this the particular cycle that we're on, we think this is all there is. It's so... Um, it's so totally immersive and we, we can't, we can't see around it. We can't see outside of it, of the game. So we need these reminders from the science, from our kids. 
So interesting about that. So like, I'm a big believer, like when I'm doing a belief audit and what's empowering and disempowering me is finding scientific evidence that proves otherwise. So like part of this, this is a, uh, a game generated reality and Elon Musk and other scientists with quantum physics are kind of almost proving that that's most likely what's happening here, you know, which is, is kind of a weird perception perception to think about it. And but there is evidence out there that that people are pointing toward that this is some kind of simulated reality experience that we're in. And it just gives me enough like, okay, well, we don't really know, right? We don't know what we don't know. And the experience that we're having and, you know, I, you know, I don't know. I, 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 when I work with my clients, it's like, how do we manipulate your mind to get what you want? Right. And, and um, you know, I can't get Jack back because that's what I want, but, can I connect with them? Can I, you know, create my beliefs that I know that this is just a temporary experience that I'm having and I'm going to be with him completely. But now at the same time, I want to play the game really well. I want to live more fully. I, I look at Jack's legacy, you know, to live fully and your fullest potential and to love fiercely. I mean, that's just who he was. And I, I, I love he embodied that so completely. And I just believe that, you know, for me, that's what's pulling me forward is, is that whole, um, you know, how he lived. I want to live that completely, which is not always easy. Right. <laughs> but, but yeah. Well, well, to say it's a game and I want to just say this, not to you, but to people that are listening um, to clarify, it doesn't mean it's not uh, belittling or, or making light of anyone's real tra oh, no. trauma and pain because there is real pain. Um, there is real oh. trauma and it's just like when you're in a dream, when you're in that dream state, the dream is very real to you. So even the, even if this is only a dream, quote unquote, and we can't be harmed and I don't think we can be permanently harmed, it's still very real. It's, but very if this, real. if this belief helps you a little bit to get through the things you're going through, you know, and that's why I would say to people, when I, whenever I put it in one of these theories, I'm like, only take it if it helps you. If it makes you yeah. feel disempowered, if it makes you feel weird, if it feels wrong to you, then that's fine. But if it helps you, it helps me to know it's only temporary. And we all know it's only temporary. We know that for a fact because none of us is going to live here forever. So, yeah. you know, for and that sounds weird to some people to say that's the good news. For me, that's the good news because I'm, look, I'm news. looking forward to seeing Shana again. I'm looking forward to seeing, you know, my loved ones that have gone on before. And I know that you know, at this point, I'm almost 60, you know, I've got, you know, a couple more decades, and then I get to go home. But meanwhile, our kids, you know, set great examples for us. I was like, Jack did for you. And as Shana did for me, and mm -hmm. they're watching us and they have expectations. And I know that I'm going to face Shana's judgment when I when I cross over if I don't live up to what she expected me to do. Yeah, I keep that in mind all the time too, that I want to make Jack proud. I, I want to make Jack proud. So yeah, I want to, as you know, he said, play the game. But yeah, it, I didn't mean it as a, no, no. you know, off mark or anything like that. It's it's very important and everything here is real. Yeah. No. Um, of course, and my feelings and experiences are real. But the other thing the ayahuasca taught me that I just want to mention really quickly was that, you know, you, you know which a lot of people have said it is that it's that whole we are connected to everything mm -hmm. that there is like you could see the grid or i could see the grid it was like you could i could see the grid of everything and how we were connected and the other people in the room 
they would be experiencing something and, and, and I would feel it in a different way. I would just know that, you know, that was part of my experience as well. And the other thing, like as these uh, two beautiful people were going around and taking care of people and making sure they were okay. And I'm laying there and I just clearly heard Jack say like, mom, this is what it's like in heaven. He's like, you see how they're checking in, they're checking in, they're making sure they're okay. He said, that's what we're doing. Mm. We're co- you're never alone. I'm constantly checking in. We're taking care of you. You're never alone, never disconnected. So for me, that... Um, was just a, an amazing experience. It's not, again, not for everybody. Right, right. Uh, there's a lot of science behind it and it's being used a lot for people that, um, you know, are near death with cancer and stuff like that. And clinically, I mean, it's at Johns Hopkins, there's a multi-million dollar center the last 10 years uh, for psilocybin. And, and so, you know, it's not something um, to be scared of it, it's being researched now which is great and it's being yeah. used and they're finding it for ptsd is a it's a phenomenal thing yeah i've heard that and and i um i've heard um they call it plant medicine i mean we we, we all take medicine all the time right we're taking all the stuff that zones us out and numbs us out and turns us right. off and but there's a lot of natural things that we can do that might open up our eyes um, which can just cause tremendous healing. And I've heard a little bit about some of the stuff. I've, I've always been intrigued by ayahuasca. I just wanted to ask you that question. I'm, I'm scared to do it because I don't know what would happen, but uh, it sounds just like amazing. Well, I mean, there's good news and there's bad news. There's, you know, I actually, the second time I did it, I took my son that's, that's been really having a hard time. Um, and, you know, talking about scary, you know, it was his choice to do mm-hmm. it. I, I certainly did not make him do anything and he chose to do mm-hmm. it. So, uh, you know, being that experience and he understood the sacredness of all of right. it and, and being in ceremony, I would never suggest doing a street drug like this. Like, you know, this is not something you just find on the street and take it. Right. Um, definitely not. It has to be with money. Um, but this kid who's been so depressed and, and he always says to me, like, you just want me to be happy. And I'm like, I'm not happy. I don't, I'm not saying you need to be happy, but to me, it's like looking for moments of joy, just a moment of joy is bringing in a moment of joy throughout my day or throughout the week. And he had not been able to find any joy. Mm -hmm. And in ayahuasca, all of a sudden, I mean, it, you know, it was interesting enough because they would do physical work on you as well, like I said, and and it was like it felt like it was like a transferring of energy to, from him to the guy that was working on him who started crying. Mm. The gentleman started crying, and and then it felt like the energy went right in my body, and I just started shaking, and then I was vomiting. So this was not a very good experience right, for right. for me the second time around because vomiting is a common thing too. Right, right. And I I was vomiting continuously and what Noah got my son he got joy he was laughing hysterical he could not stop laughing Mm. and he's just like I'm so sorry but you're so funny and I mean he's like everybody's vomiting and he goes I just think it's the funniest thing and he just I mean he was dancing he was laughing and I mean just it lit up my heart even if it's just in this moment that you know they often say that with ayahuasca you get what you need and he got joy. He needed joy. And so, um, you know, it was incredible. And, and he has been better since that experience with the ayahuasca. He's, he's been able to connect a little bit better. And, 
you know, be more present and, and see moments of joy. That's still not happy. Yeah. (laughs) Happy. Yeah. Well, you know, that's, that's the thing, you know, we're, we're never going to be the same. Um, and I don't say that to be, um, to be negative because in some ways we're better. Um, but we're never going to be the same person that we were. And while we can have joy, um, to have that, that unbridled happiness that we imagine that we had before, which we do, really didn't have before. We had other problems before, but now they, right. they just pale in comparison to, you know, the loss of a child, for example. Um, but we can have those moments of joy and they can become more common and the pain can become, uh, I don't say it becomes less, it just becomes more bearable. We become used to it, it becomes easier to carry. We become stronger people. So the pain's easier to carry. Yeah, I would agree with that. It doesn't get any lighter. We just become stronger. So the weight of it doesn't feel as bad. Yeah. Well, I, uh, Nelrose, it's really been great meeting you. We're coming up on about an hour. Um, so I want to respect your time, but uh, I appreciate you doing this, uh, telling us about Jack and about your experience and your family. And, you know, hopefully for the listeners, giving people hope that we can get through these things uh, for yourself, you know, being a, a year and a half in, for someone that maybe this has happened to, you can see, you know, where you might be able to get to, you know, after some time. So um, there is, uh, there are better days ahead if you're, if you're having a rough day. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me on. I appreciate it. All right. Well, thanks a lot. And uh, hopefully I'll talk to you later. Oh, and by the way, send me the, um, the video and I'll try to put it in the show notes and I'll make, uh, I'll put it on the YouTube video as well. I will. Thank you. All right. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Grief to Growth. Brian hopes that you find this episode helpful and will come back for future episodes. Brian's best-selling book, Grief to Growth, Planted Not Buried, is a great resource for anyone who is coping with grief or knows someone who is. If you enjoy the podcast and would like to support it, there are three things you can do to help. The first is to share the podcast with someone that you think it will help. The second is to go to iTunes, rate, and review the episode. The third way you can support the podcast is by becoming a patron. Head over to www.patreon.com slash grief to growth. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash grief, the number two, growth, and sign up to make a small monthly donation. Patrons get access to exclusive bonus content and knowledge that you are helping to spread the message of grief to growth. For more about Brian and Grief to Growth, visit www.grief2growth.com. Hey there, if you like this episode, come on over and talk about it. Let me know what you liked. If you didn't like this episode, come on over and talk about it. Let me know what you didn't like. Go to grieftogrowth.com slash community and look for talk about the podcast. I'll see you there.